Our text of Scripture this morning comes from 1 Timothy, the first chapter. It is Paul's confession that he is a debtor to mercy alone. I'm glad that not all of you could see that picture of me down here a few moments ago. But in many ways, the Apostle Paul is holding up two pictures of himself. The previous Apostle Paul and the current one. Listen for God's word as it comes to us from 1 Timothy. I'm grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me is the foremost Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. But to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? So, dear God, we come seeking a word from you. So speak to us now and open our ears that we might hear. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, on this Sunday, like in every Sunday, but especially this Sunday, because we're ordaining and installing our officers, we're engaged here today in a great dream. For 75 years, this church has sought to represent Christ and to be a light in the world for others. It is the dream that God has for restoring the world. And it involves all of us. Like the Apostle Paul, we too here in this church have been judged as faithful. And we too have been appointed for service. Especially these officers being installed and ordained. And as impressive as they may be, you'll have a chance to see them in just a few moments I do want to remind us this morning that God always calls the unqualified. And God calls the unqualified to do the impossible. So if all of you here are feeling a little unprepared for your service, a little anxious about what the years ahead will hold, you're in good company. So was the Apostle Paul. And he reflects in this passage his lack of qualifications for the job he was called to do. 
he knows he is no hero. But he also knows he is an example of what the Lord can do in a life and what the Lord will do with a life when it's surrendered in faith to the Lordship of Christ. So the great dream that we're involved in this morning in this church stands in stark contrast to the dream that caused that attack 15 years ago in New York and in Washington, D.C. and in Pennsylvania. And the question is, what future do you envision and how are you preparing for that future? Does your vision of the future lead you to doxology as it does the Apostle Paul? In this passage, or does your vision of the future lead you to hunker down and to create some kind of a bunker for yourself and your own protection? Monday morning, September 10th, 2001, the day before the attack, I hopped the train, the New Jersey Transit into New York to meet with a young couple that I was going to marry in November. We lived in New Jersey at the time. David was from my previous church in San Diego. Now he was a lawyer. Liz was from New York. She too was a lawyer. She's Jewish. So a rabbi was going to co-officiate and we all met that day down at the Fulton Street Fish Market in Lower Manhattan, the location of the wedding to discuss details of the wedding service. We were planning for an interfaith religious ceremony that was going to be a celebration of life and love less than 24 hours before the attack. And we were just a few blocks from where those two planes hit the trade towers. The next day That morning, 15 years ago, when the shock of what was occurring began to dissipate in my mind, my first thought was, did David tell me that he was flying home to California from JFK? Was he on one of those planes? Thankfully, the answer was no. Now, I suspect most of us remember where we were that day. It's seared into our memories, much like the assassination of John Kennedy or Pearl Harbor. We all have stories that we could tell about what was happening to and in us on that day when a different and a more troubling vision of the future emerged. But the heroes of that day, the firemen and the police officers who ran into the buildings rather than away from them, did not hunker down. They doubled down. The Reverend Lillian Daniel, the pastor of a congregational church in Dubuque, Iowa, tells the story of waiting one day with a groom and the groomsmen before a wedding in the church downstairs from the sanctuary. The groom and the best man were recounting their childhood days spent there in 
Pilgrim Hall at lock-ins and playing games and exploring the secret passageways of the church. And the passage that that groom was about to take was not just going from Pilgrim Hall up to the sanctuary, but going from childhood to adulthood. When the appointed hour finally arrived, the party made their way along the corridor where they had once played, and up the old stairs, and they went past the back of the organ and around some Christmas pageant scenery that was stored there. And there they waited behind a thick wooden door. And they peered out through a small peephole, a little curved glass eyeball. And peering through that, they could see the faces of the people in the pews. And the groom noticed that the view through that little peephole was distorted. Straight angles are curved, familiar faces are blurry, the world outside that door looks like a twisted kind of wonderland. And that may be as clear a view of the future that any of us can hope to get, writes Lillian Daniel. Now, I've stood with many grooms on the other side of similar doors, waiting for the rest of their life to begin. And I remember my own wedding day and that sense of both excitement and fear all wrapped into one. Some doors that we push through in life just have a way of increasing our anxiety as we approach them. And when they close behind us, something closes forever. Rarely do we feel qualified to take the next step into our own distorted vision of the future. And as the Apostle Paul writes elsewhere to the Corinthian church, he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Looking through that peephole may be as clear a vision of the future any of us get. And after 9-11, we all worried about the vision of the future that seemed to be emerging. Well, I think it's time for us to double down, not hunker down, in our efforts as a church to bring into reality that vision of a future that comes from our Lord. So whether you're preparing for another school year or you're beginning a new job or you're preparing for marriage yourself or you're becoming a parent or whether you're starting a new relationship or you're about to retire or you've lost your health or you're beginning to live life again alone after a long time, throughout our lives we rarely get any greater clarity on what to expect in the future than some kind of a twisted wonderland and I'm not sure we could handle it even if we did have a clear vision of the future just what glimpses we have cause enough anxiety but sometimes excitedly and sometimes reluctantly we have to push through that door from our past to the future and rarely do we feel qualified to take that step but the time has come to take it. 
And remember, God always calls the unqualified to do the impossible. We're called to become part of a remarkable dream here. The dream that is the church of Jesus Christ. When I think of Mother Teresa, who was recently canonized, or Martin Luther King Jr., many others who came to embody the great cause of human rights for all people. These individuals were no doubt somehow remarkable, but they themselves would say they are not heroes. They merely serve a remarkable God. The Greek word in the New Testament for the church means called out. The church is a community that is called out of the world by God to belong to God and to be the people of God. We're called out to receive the Lord's judging and forgiving and renewing grace. And then secondly, we're sent out to be God's ambassadors of reconciliation and renewal in the world. And our text today from the Apostle Paul reflects both of those understandings. Called out, sent out. We are the church. It's not some board in some distant city or even the ministers or the officers of the church that we're installing and ordaining today, as important as they are. We together are the church. It's not buildings. It's not social pronouncements. When we talk about the church, we're not talking about them. We're talking about us. The church is not a vague idea, but a concrete reality that we enflesh and live out. The church is God's people wherever, whenever, however they gather together. And in the words of our confession of 1967, God's reconciling work in Jesus Christ and the mission of reconciliation to which he has called his church is the heart of the gospel in any age. So the question today in my mind is what kind of a twisted wonderland do you envision the future to be? And does it lead you to doxology or does it lead you to pathology? What are you doing to make the world a better place to live in, not just for yourself but for others? It doesn't have to be newsworthy, it doesn't have to be noteworthy, but it might become that but can you double down on your determination to live into that twisted wonderland of the future and determine not to hunker down not to create a bunker for yourself to protect yourself but to live your life for some greater cause and some grand dream that God has for you So let's not shrink from the impossible task that is before us. If our best years are ahead of us in this church, and I believe they are, then let's get busy together renewing the church and participating in the reconciliation of all things and living into God's new creation by God's grace.
It's a great dream that we're living out today. Do you believe in it? Are you willing to become part of the mystery of God's redeeming love for the whole world? May the Lord Jesus Christ call us out and then send us out. And may we, the church, bring honor and glory to the one who is before all things and in whom all things hold together, the King of the ages. Amen.